you know, one thing that really stands out about Mark is that there's a lot of healing stories in Mark. And the first half of Mark in particular uh, is just chock full of healing stories. Jesus um, touching people's lives and their lives being changed, touching their kids and their kids being changed. Um, we see him uh, healing physically. We see him driving out demons. We see him also healing rifts that had existed between certain groups. We see him welcoming people into the kingdom of God. We see him healing and demonstrating the kingdom of God through power. Ray, you can't hear me, hey? Can you turn it up a little bit? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so there's a lot of healing stories in Mark. It's, it really stands out. And uh, today it's actually interesting because it's, uh, in, in, there's been a lot of like, people that have come to Jesus who are uh, possessed or, or oppressed by demons and then people coming with particular physical ailments. We're coming to actually the end of that in Mark. This is the last story we have in Mark of any kind of demon possession. And, and we only have one more healing story to come. So it's, it's, it, just as we look at Mark and how it's rolled out, we're coming toward the end of these stories. But when you look back at all these stories of healing, it really is striking that if there's anything true about Jesus, it's that he cares for people cares for them physically, like cares for what's going on in their lives, cares for what's happening in the lives of their kids, in the lives of their family. And it didn't matter whether they were rich or poor, men or women, children or old, there was a care for them. And remember, one of the dominant questions we asked through this first uh, bit of Mark was this, who is Jesus? You know, what's he like? And, 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 and how do we come to understand this kingdom of God thing based on what we see in Jesus? And if anything's true, it's that when the power of God and the kingdom of God is at work, people's lives are being changed. People being healed. People being touched. People being restored. People are finding for the first time a place where they're loved. This is just true, and we can see that all the way through. But when we think about the healing stories of Jesus... We know that they're, in particular, stories that have been doubted by skeptics, right? Stories where people have said, yeah, I believe there was a Jesus, uh, maybe. But, okay, there was a Jesus and he was a teacher and all that. But these, this business of healing people, this, this business of the miraculous, ah, uh, I'm not so sure. And that's been something Christians have had to address and, 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 and try to reason through and, and talk about with skeptics all the way through. That's been true. And, but I think that, that perhaps the greater challenge for people who have already decided, yeah, I believe in Jesus, isn't so much, oh, I think the healing stories are all hogwash, but rather asking, what do these healing stories have to do with us? Like, I believe maybe that Jesus did heal, but what about now? Like, what's the, what's the response, or what's the point, or what's the application we believe in the stories, but we're kind of unsure about the relevance of these stories for today. If you were to ask most Christians, or at least many Christians today, if you ask them, do you believe that Jesus heals today? Most people kind of know what the right answer is, right? Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. So most Christians would say yes, but kind of cautiously. Like they, want to, they want to really qualify that one really carefully afterwards, right? Like, yes, but, and then you fill it in. Yes, but I'm not sure, you know, if it really works, or I've never seen it, or 
I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I certainly don't like that pushy, glitzy, showy kind of stuff I saw once on TV or, or one time someone snooked me into coming to come in some, some meeting in the evening. They always had it happen in the evenings, at least when I grew up. And, and, uh, and it just made me feel uncomfortable and I, you know, that I don't get into. But somehow, I know the right answer is yes, Jesus heals today, but I really don't know how it works. And I, I, I not just, I don't know how it works, but I really don't know how it connects with me or what I'm supposed to do with it. And, and so, let's be honest, even though I would say, I believe in Jesus, I believe he heals, but really, in terms of how it actually works out in our lives for many of us, um, it's something we just sort of believe mentally, but it doesn't necessarily influence the way we live practically, the way that we pray daily, the way that we interact with each other. You hear what I'm saying? So, I was challenged by this passage today because I think the story in Mark today and perhaps the stories all the way through offer us terrific insight and guidance for, for this business of praying for healing or asking Jesus to heal us. And so today, Angelie's going to come and read the story for us. We're going to just listen to this gospel story from Mark chapter 9. Angelie, if you can just use the blue mic over there and make sure you're speaking right into it. Um, Angela's going to read the story. Just listen to this story, and then we're going to kind of unpack it a little bit, and I hope you'll be ready to discuss and ask some questions about how this story gives us guidance and insight into how we are to pray together for Jesus to heal. Go ahead, Angela. When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them, and some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit, and that won't let him talk. And whenever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground, and then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, You faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy. But when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child to the ground in a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy. The spirit often throws him into fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us, if you can. What do you mean, if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is a is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak, he said. I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. When the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him, the boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, He's dead! But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind can be cast out only by prayer. Thanks, Angelie. Well, there's a story. We've, we've heard, or if you're 
somewhat familiar with gospel stories, you've maybe heard this story before, in particular the, the, the Father's Prayer. We've seen stories that are similar to this, right? If you've been tracking through Mark so far, or maybe you took up the challenge a few weeks ago and you've been reading again in Mark, you, you know, there, there's, there's things about this story that, well, I've kind of heard a similar thing before. I've had, we've seen parents come. We, remember, we saw the, the Syrophoenician woman come and it was her daughter that had been possessed by a demon coming to Jesus. And, we, and each of these stories kind of has a unique angle or, or a unique way it, it kind of tells the story. But we've seen similar stories to this. But this is the last sort of deliverance story that we've seen, uh, that we'll see in Mark. And it combines yeah, similar elements from numerous healings, namely uh, the, the deaf and mute man sort of combined together with this the demon-possessed daughter from a, from a few ago. And you can kind of, if you watch the last number of, of stories of healing that Mark gives, there seems to be a bit of a, of a pattern there. But in this story, as you heard, we're actually given some practical insight for how that we can, we can grow as a praying community. And I know we're in a lot of different spots on this whole question. I know some of us are still exploring who Jesus is, and we're, we're uncertain that Jesus even is the Messiah, or Jesus is the Son of God. We're, we're unsure of what that means for our lives. And I, I want you to know that I'm thrilled you're here. And I'm thrilled that you're on that journey. And today we're going to talk very specifically about how Christians can pray for healing. But we also recognize that most of the people who came to Jesus didn't come with a fully developed understanding of who Jesus is. They just came because they had a need. And they heard Jesus might help. <laughs> and so if you're even in that spot today where you're, you're really unsure about Jesus, you're not... You're not too confident. You're, you're, you're just sort of grappling. I want you to know that the invitation today to come to Jesus for healing is also for you. But for those of us who say, yeah, I think I do believe in Jesus, or yes, I do believe in Jesus, and I'm following Jesus, and I've been following Jesus, there's, there's some real uh, insight and challenge for us today to ask, well, then how practically do we pray for the healing of one another? Like, how does that happen for our lives? And I think we receive some good guidance from this. So, um, I'm hoping that through our conversation today and our subsequent prayer together, we can begin to grow in confidence as a community in how we pray for one another. But first, let's look at the story of the Father. See how this story gives us some guidance as we ask Jesus for healing. You know, this Father had brought his Son to the disciples, right? And we remember where Jesus was. Jesus and he had his closest three, Peter, James, and John. They were up the mountain, right? And then having this amazing, powerful experience of seeing Jesus transfigured and all his glory and this amazing stuff. Well, the other guys are down below, you know, the other nine. And, and they're, they're down below, and, and, and they are brought this son, uh, this father brings his son who's in desperate shape, desperate need. And for some reason or other, the disciples are unable to to heal, unable to bring deliverance to this boy. And what stands out about that is because you remember earlier on in Mark, Jesus had given his uh, disciples authority to go out and to preach and proclaim the kingdom and to heal the sick and to drive out demons, and they did. And yet here in this story, what kind of stands out to us is they're trying, but nothing's happening. And this father's getting more and more discouraged. And I think his little bit of faith, whatever sort of brought him to the disciples is ebbing away at this point. Well, Jesus intervenes. What's going on? There's some kind of argument that's happening between the religious leaders of the disciples. Probably when they failed to perform what maybe they thought should have happened, the, the religious leaders looked at it as an opportunity to flail on them a bit publicly, right? 
They've been looking for this sort of thing for a while. Jesus wasn't around. We can, you know, start arguing, start interjecting. See, you guys, you're pushing it too far. See, this Jesus isn't who he said he was. See, you know, that kind of thing's happening. Jesus steps in and realizes that not only is there a significant group that already opposes him, but that his own disciples are unable uh, to, to bring healing to this boy. So he steps in. He engages the father. He hears the story. Finds out that it's a very debilitating very demonic, where this spirit not only is affecting this boy physically, but is trying to destroy him. And we see, we've seen that already in Mark, right? Where that's, that's what the devil does. That's what these evil spirits do. They seek to destroy. And in this young child's life, uh, bad things were happening. Well, this father, in desperation, says, you know, if you can do anything to help us, just please take pity on us and do something, if you can. And Jesus takes this opportunity to coach this man in faith. What do you mean if you can? What do you mean if I can? And, and I, don't, I don't think Jesus is as harsh as it sounds, but the sense of, do you remember who you're talking to here? What do you mean if I can? Anything's possible for those who believe. And then the Father prays this prayer that I think provides us with an incredible insight and coaching for us as we think about prayer. He says, Lord I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, I think for many of us, that's where we sort of sit on the whole healing, prayer, even Jesus thing. Where we could say it's almost like we're on a spectrum. We've got some belief, but let's be honest, it's mixed in with a bunch of other sort of Questions, doubts, unbelief. Not sure. And what's beautiful about this man's prayer is he's honest with Jesus about that. He says, Lord, I believe, but you're going to have to help. You know, I've got got this much to bring to the equation, but you're going to have to help fill up the rest. You're going to have to help me overcome my unbelief because I've got some. Right? I'm really not sure. And I, I think it might have to do with the fact that he already put himself out there for the disciples and they failed to heal, heal him. And it's, it's, it's becoming this big spectacle, you know. People are surrounding and, and there's people shouting and arguing. And, and I think this guy is just feeling lower and lower and lower. And he's thinking, man, I don't, I don't know if I have any hope left. I don't know if I, I can just believe anymore at this point. But he's honest with that, with Jesus. Here's where I'm at. And there's a humility in this man. There's a transparency in him as he comes to Jesus and says very simply, I believe, but you're going to have to help me overcome my unbelief. And so Jesus, seeing that a crowd is starting to happen, speaks directly to this deaf and mute spirit, casts it out for good, and raises the boy up in language that foreshadows the resurrection. What can we learn about healing in our own lives? What can we learn about praying for healing as we look at this father's experience? I think one of the things that really stands out to me is that healing, asking Jesus to touch us, coming to Jesus, is not about having full faith. It's not about even having a certain amount, like there's a line. And if we just can have just that much, then Jesus will respond to us. And the reason why I point that out is because I think that that is sometimes what we're told or what we've understood or what we've thought is true in our lives. 
and we thought there's some kind of quotient of faith we have to have, and if we can just have that much faith, then everything will be great. Then all my prayers will be answered. Then all the things I've been concerned about will sort of go away. And, and we've, we, we created ourselves these imaginary lines, and of course, guess what? Most of us, wherever you put that line, guess where your faith is? Somewhere under that line. Right? Like, if the line was here, this is where my faith is and I don't have enough. Or if the line was here, then this is where my faith is and I don't have enough. And we create this idea that, well, I must just not have enough faith. And therefore, I'm, I'm, I'm written off or Jesus doesn't pay attention to me. Sometimes we've heard that from others. Sometimes Christians have used that as an, as an excuse or an explanation when Jesus doesn't heal. They said, well, I guess it's because they didn't have enough faith. Or I guess it's because they just didn't believe enough. Or I guess it's because, and there's usually some kind of formula, some kind of uh, thing that wasn't done, some kind of measure that they didn't achieve, and as a result, people are left high and dry to their own devices, too bad for you. And what we hear in this story is this invitation from Jesus to focus to this Father, look at me, believe in me. I'm the source of healing, of power, of life. And to hear this man's response to say, Lord Jesus, I'm looking at you. I believe in you. But my belief is so tiny, it's so faint, it's so fragile, that unless you step in to give me more, unless you step in and fill it up, unless you help me overcome that unbelief, I'm hooped. What we see in Jesus is he does exactly that. He does in this man's life what he so desperately needed done by bringing healing to his son. I think one of the critical things that we need to know as we think about healing prayers, we think about praying for one another, is that we need to all fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to all trust him. But we can be honest in that, in saying, I struggle with this, Jesus. I do. I'm not sure about this. But I am sure about you. And if you can take the little bit that I'm offering... (laughs) If you can take the fact that I'm just praying now for healing, if you can take this little bit that I'm stepping out in faith, if you can just see that I'm, I'm wanting to orient my life toward you, and I, but I need you to fill up the rest, that Jesus takes that really seriously. That he honors that. That he hears that. Some of us do suffer under this guilt that if I somehow could just do better in my faith, if I could somehow just attain some sort of level of, I don't know, knowledge or some level of faith or some level of boldness, then God would somehow hear my prayer. But what we see in Jesus all through the stories is that people come to him honest, they come to him broken, they come to him repentant, they come to him transparent, and Jesus in his love and in his grace responds to them. I am powerful. Prayer to Jesus for healing is simple. It's really saying, Jesus, I trust you somewhat, and I need you to grow my trust in you more. I need you to grow in me my vision of who you are and your grace and your desire for me. And we enter into this conversation with Jesus, this connection with Jesus. We see our relationship being deepened in our love and our trust for Jesus because we begin to realize that He really is in our court. He really is on our side. 
He really has stepped in to our lives to make a real difference. So we're, I think, coached through this story to be honest, to be humble, and to just ask Jesus to touch our lives. But there's more to the story, isn't there? It's not just the Father's experience I think we can learn from. What about the disciples? 